Hey kids, Townsend Coleman here, the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Cowabunga! And you're listening to the Neverland Podcast right now, which is totally bodacious. It's the Neverland Podcast, episode 69. Let's fly away. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right straight until morning. Hey, it's that time again. It is time to get your pixie out of that pocket. Get her out of there. Shake a little bit of that pixie dust around. Get your happiest thought. We're flying away to Neverland again. And before we get really fully take flight and land in Neverland, of course, I have a few things I must go over with you, almost like a flight attendant telling you your safety procedures. I just want to remind you to email me at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com, which, by the way, neverlandpodcast.com is our website, and you can find all kinds of fun information right there on the website, including our Twitter feed, twitter.com slash neverlandpcast, or at neverlandpcast, whichever makes it easier for you to find us feel free to tweet us anytime we love getting your tweets share it with your friends and things like that i try to tweet out and put some fun stuff out there also like the fun stuff i put at facebook.com slash neverland podcast that is our like page where you can come and like us also we have a facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash neverland podcast all of these links can be found at neverlandpodcast.com also leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 i actually just received a very interesting email about a potential future guest which i can't share the uh the voicemail with you because he does give his phone number and i don't want to give that away but let's just say i just you know talk got him yeah we'll find out later (laughs) When I have that all booked, it's somebody coming possibly on an upcoming show that you're really going to like to hear from. It's somebody I didn't even know he was involved in what he's involved with. It's not necessarily Disney related, but you're going to love it. But anyway, also on there, on the website, NeverlandPodcast.com. You'll find a thing that says Neverlanders with an exclamation point to join the Neverlanders. In there you can find our list of Lost Boys and Pixies and find out how you yourself can become an official Lost Boy or Pixie. Think of a great and wonderful nickname that tells us a little something about you and then you'll become Lost Boy or Pixie blank your first name and then we'll put in quotes what your nickname what we refer to you as because all the lost boys have a nickname like toodles and don't ask and things like that now all of you ladies out there you don't become lost boys because girls are too clever to get lost you will become a pixie pixies are cool anyway right so just go ahead and follow those instructions send us that email to give us all the information of who you would like to be and what your nickname would like to be you get your official lost boy or pixie name and become part of that site and become an official lost boy or pixie of neverland now how fun is that i think that's lots of fun in fact i had fun picking out my own name which if you want to know what it is well if you don't know it by now anyway you'll have to just go to the website and take a look but we have lots of fun to have today on this week's show so i really just got to get to it so here we go Your attention, please. Disney Movie News. Okay, this isn't really 
movie news, but it is some television news. And here to tell you about it, I am about to have some special guests. I had Tim Nidell and Gary Lane on with me from Saturday Morning Rewind. We had a nice little discussion about some news that was released by Terry McGovern this week. For any of you who don't know, Terry McGovern was the original voice of Launchpad McQuack on DuckTales and Darkwing Duck. So what follows is my conversation with Tim Nidell and Gary Lane. Enjoy! Okay, Neverlanders, we have a couple of very special guests to kind of talk about an interesting topic that has popped up this week. We have Tim and Gary from the Saturday Morning Rewind podcast. Say hello, fellas. Hello, fellas. <laughs> Tim was catching on to that one. <laughs> <laughs> the jokes are always cheesy around here. <laughs> so generally, Saturday Morning Rewind, and why you two are perfect for this is because you guys are all about cartoons whether they were saturday morning or you know disney afternoon related anything like that you guys love to talk to voice actors and to each other about different cartoons and so if anybody's not listening to their show go check it out especially if you used to watch cartoons or you still do that's right but uh, some <laughs> some interesting information and i've noticed some uh, for some people this has been like oh no you know so i thought it'd be an interesting little kind of discussion because uh, as most of you probably know ducktales is returning to disney xd which is awesome but uh, we we heard this week terry mcgovern had said you know he was launched bad mcquack for anyone who doesn't know but he has said that it seems the original cast is not going to be returning and a lot of us old school people were really we're, we get used to the old cast, and so you tell us the old cast is not coming back. And there, I tell you what, on Facebook there was a freak out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, everybody, present company like, oh included, gosh. right? <laughs> present company included. Uh, you know, and I understand that that's how we are. We're kind of geeky. We we kind of get set in how we've loved it and it meant so much to us that when it changes, sometimes it's it's a growing pain for us. It's like no, but we wanted this. Nobody else this have ever voiced Scrooge except for one other guy, maybe a couple times. You know, this is the type of things I saw. You know, I was like, oh man, it's, it's like it's, this. I didn't expect this sort of an impact. But uh, well, we'll kind of just go around. We'll since uh, Gary got here first, <laughs> we'll let Gary talk about uh, his reaction to this first. Uh, well, you know, whenever the news officially broke at, at first, I was I was apprehensive, and I'll be using that word a lot, or at least <laughs> I'll be thinking it a lot because there's it's hard to say anything yet. And of course, whenever I, I heard the news of the voice cast being recast, I was pretty annoyed at first. But as, as time went on and, 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 you know, I thought about it, I realized, you know, Disney's smart. They're not going to do anything to alienate us older fans, but they also want to keep in, you know, keep bringing in the new fans. And uh, a <clears throat> perfect example is, uh, or maybe not a perfect example, but an example nonetheless is, is recently, in the current ongoing Ninja Turtles cartoon, uh, the voice of Leonardo had to be recast because Jason Biggs went on some sort of anti-women, some something, something rant on Twitter. And uh, a lot of people <laughs> yeah. got upset about that. So then they brought in Seth Green, who sounds absolutely nothing like Jason Biggs. And, you know, I guess it's smart because Alan Young and, and Terry McGovern, they're up there, Alan especially. He's 95 or 96 now. And, you know... He's not going to live forever, and, you know, I hope he's still with us in two years whenever the show actually airs, but there's no guarantee that, you know, we'll have him for as many seasons as it runs. So it's it's best to be proactive, I suppose, but it still kind of hurts as a fan, you know? <laughs> yeah, and you, Tim, what are you thinking? Um, I had the same thought when they first announced 
the new series, what was it, maybe just a month ago, they announced it. I thought in my mind, it's like, they better start recording now before Alan Young. <laughs> you know, we don't want to pass away them soon, but 95, 96 is pretty old. So I was kind of hoping that they'd record now, you know, have the full cast. But then when they announced, or when Terry announced that uh, the original cast would not be returning, of course, I'm really disappointed. I'm still disappointed. But, <laughs> you know, a few of the members have already passed. We, we, I mean, we lost House yeah. Smith. Like Gyro and uh, and uh, Hamilton Camp, uh, Fenton and uh, Gizmoduck, two you know pretty big characters in the role, and uh, Miss Beakley, um, what's her name? Um, uh, uh, Joan Gerber, she passed away as also, and uh, you know so there's three of the main cast right there, but yeah. still on the other I think, side, uh, the, the voice of Glomgold I think has passed away as well. Yeah, yeah, voice yeah. yeah. Hey, was it was that one House Smith too? It was uh, maybe. I think it might have been, yeah. And uh, so on the other side of the spectrum, I still would love to see, you know, Terry McGovern, who can still do the voice, and Rusey Taylor do the nephew. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. You know, I'm still kind of hopeful for something good out of it. I think Gary makes some good points about Disney knows what to do. And I just hope that remains true. I just, I just, my main concern is the animation, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The animation was just top notch, and yeah. it still holds up. Uh, uh, recently, you know, uh, I was doing some articles for Jason. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name, Schlierman, uh, mm-hmm. but for DAFradio.net uh, on his website, he had me do a blog thing, uh, and I wrote a, a review of an episode of Darkwing Duck. And in the process of of wanting to do stuff, I went and you know found a copy of Ducktales at the library, and I you know sit and watch it. The animation is still uh, yeah. out par, and the story still fit with me although i was sitting there thinking why is that number one lucky dime so important to magic at the spell how come she has to have that dime it is just a dime isn't it (laughs) but it still holds up i mean that was just a real special show back in the day and uh, i guess disney was looking at you know when they did the remastered and you know they got some original cast and they recast some characters but they, they found people that could sound just like the original cast. And I only knew that Glumgold had passed away. It's because uh, I was recently, when I did a show with uh, uh, one of the techno retro dads, known as we were doing something on the, the mask series. And one of the voices on mask who currently also plays Raj's father on big bang theory. And he also uh, on video games, he does Barbosa, but he was the one who actually was slated as being the voice of Glomgold in that. And I couldn't even tell a difference. <laughs> so there, you know, there is that possibility of, even though you can't get the original cast sometimes that you might find somebody who can do that character so spot on that you might barely notice a difference. So I still have a lot of hope here. That's like, yeah, we're going to get different people, but they, I, I, you know, considering how many times Mickey has been recast to different voices and Donald and goofy, they always tend to find somebody who can, you know, even you don't really want an impersonation because that can sound fakey, but somebody who can really embody that character and bring that voice back and sound the way you want them to, the way we're used to it. That's at least what Disney does. Disney always tries to find some, a, a good match for yeah. the characters. Other cartoons, they get relaunched. You know, like you were mentioned, Ninja Turtles. Every, you know, mm-hmm. this is the third incarnation we've had uh, on television. 
Uh, well, mm-hmm. other than the uh, live action TV thing that we won't mention because <laughs> it was terrible. But of the animation, yeah. you know, we've had different voices each time, except for Rob Paulson making his return, but he's a different character. That uh, mm-hmm. you, you, we, we don't complain about that happening. But with Disney characters, that's the one I think that really strikes the chord with us because I don't know, maybe it's just more special to us. Or why do you think that happens? Well, I think I think people are always surprised whenever Disney greenlights anything. Um, <laughs> it's, I know it surprises me personally. I mean, I know that there was the fan outcry for DuckTales, but mm-hmm. whenever they actually said, yeah, we're doing this, I was like, what? Really? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think I think that and, you know, I mean, they're uh, – well, it's kind of like you bring up – and I don't mean to talk over anybody, Tim, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I feel like with uh, Ninja Turtles, you know, that's a perfect example because – I have recently been rewatching the 1987 series. And if we're being perfectly honest, while it's completely nostalgic to me, it's not a very good show. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it doesn't hold up the same way that DuckTales does. And I think right. that, you know, DuckTales transcends the, the generations uh, better with time. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I, I, what I think. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I started buying the the DVDs when they started releasing those, and was so excited to get the miniseries, and just loved it, and it was great. And then I picked up the uh, first official season of it. And I was like, "Wow, this is just hokey and cheesy." I still love it because of the memories, but I was like, "This is kind of bad." Yeah. So now some of those old cartoons really do still hold up. I mean, the old uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the original, I still can watch that one, and it doesn't seem hokey to me. I still want it, too. Still love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, that was kind of a rough thing for me, too, when they they brought Masters of the Universe back there uh, in, what, the late 90s? And then, you know, had a whole new voice cast. I know I was a little rough with that one, but I did like having Cam Clark in there as He-Man. I've been a fan of his ever since Ninja Turtles, speaking of. (laughs) I didn't didn't even realize they brought that one back. Yeah, Yeah. it was on Cartoon Network for, what, two seasons? It was very short-lived, yeah. Yeah, they had a pretty I, good. I remember comic this. Book oh, go ahead. <laughs> they had a pretty good comic book adaptation. I, I had collected uh, a pretty good chunk of it. Hmm. Yeah, I remember whenever they brought the Thundercats back, and that was also yeah. one of those big, like, "Oh, should we be doing this?" moments, uh-huh. and then no one watched it. <laughs> so, well, I did. I liked it. I liked it, I, I liked it too. Of course, I love oh, Thundercats. Okay. I mean, Thundercats is still my all-time favorite cartoon. So, right. <laughs> now, I came to the original series of Thundercats a bit late because uh, when it was on originally, that was about the time I wanted to go outside and play. And so I wasn't watching it, and I didn't really start paying attention until, uh, oh, I was already an adult, I think, pretty much. Oh. And they, they brought it back on Cartoon Network, and I watched it. I said, this is the cheesiest thing. Oh, then, of no. course, I got a DVD of Silverhawks, <laughs> which I used to love and oh, watch yeah. all the time, and I realized Silverhawks is just as cheesy. It's but. Thing. It's the same thing. So the new Thundercats, I was ready to roll with, but I know uh, like my buddy Phil was just, oh, a lost boy Phil for anyone who remembers him. Uh, he was just hated the new series because they changed the entire story and the look and Lionel didn't look right and he didn't think the figures looked right. And so it's always, you know, we, we grow up with something. We get so attached to it that when they come out and change it, we're just, ah, you know. Well, I think it's, it's kind of like, I think George Lucas kind of started this whole thing where it shows us nothing is sacred. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you your favorite franchise, and it scares us. Yeah, that's a yeah. very good point. 
And the, the phrase, you've ruined my childhood, gets uttered more times yeah. on Facebook than anything else. And I'm almost kind of tired of it. It's like, no, you still have your childhood and you still have your memories. You still have, you know, because things do get released on DVD, you still can always go back and watch the things that you loved. And if the new version turns out where it's not quite up to what you were hoping, that's okay. You still have the old. And that's, I've, you know, I've tried, to, I've tried to tell people that with the new Star Trek movies when they altered the timeline by blowing up Vulcan. Boy, a lot of my Trekker friends were just devastated and so mad and i says <laughs> but it was a good movie and if you really still love the old star trek it is still there you own all the seasons of it you can go back and enjoy it any time that you want <laughs> that's right mm-hmm. and there's still books being published with the original timeline so it's always going to be there. So no one's taking it away from you. It's just sometimes with these new ones come out, you know, you, you, you just want everything back that you had, I think when you were a child and when it doesn't quite fit your memories, it's, it's just devastating to us. But then you look yeah. at like kids and, uh, and somebody brought this up on, even on Facebook. And I've even noticed this when I talked to, you know, younger, you know, like teenagers or, or maybe people in their twenties now to them, their favorite star Wars movies are the prequels. Right, And those are ones I'm weird though I actually liked The Phantom Menace And I thought Jar Jar was funny The first two times I watched that movie But then he got annoying after the the third time (laughs) Yeah No, no. I I mean Go go ahead The cool thing I'm thinking of The good thing about A New DuckTales Is that it's almost a guarantee That we will probably see The final episodes released on DVD or some oh, kind yes. of home video format. So I'm really excited for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was going to bring that up if you didn't, because that's, that's very promising news. I mean, nothing's been said officially, but I'm, I'm certain it, I'm almost certain it'll happen, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think Gary, somebody, I don't I figure it might've been, been you, Jeremy on, on Gary's post. They made a great point how I can definitely see Disney. I would prefer it if Disney released a, a, a movie based on, on DuckTales, and then based a series upon that movie to kind of read yeah. the whole franchise to the younger audience. Now, that is a cool idea. That would be so much fun. Mm-hmm. And it would yeah, show I, it's still a moneymaker. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if it didn't make money, hey, don't make the series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it would make money if they if they did enough respect yeah. to the franchise because, you know, I, I don't have any children myself, and I, I know, Tim, you do. I don't know if you do, Gary. I do not. Okay, well, at least Tim and people like Tim that are about our age would be, would be like, oh, I remember this from when I was a kid. I'm going to take my kids now to this because oh. I want them to enjoy it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. We tend to pass things down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My girls my girls do not watch modern-day cartoons besides a couple of them. They, I mean, we just sat down and watched a couple of episodes of Doug and Ah Real Monsters the other night, and they love uh, – what's their favorite? They love DuckTales and, and Darkwing <laughs> and all those shows. We hardly watch anything new. So I, I'm a, I think I'm a great father. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's something about like with Disney cartoons in general, they always seem to hold up and have a bit of a timelessness to where you can come back and watch a lot of them. Uh, so I, yeah. that might be part of why it does weigh in on us so much. Is like you know I I I want it just the way it was because it's still important to me. And then when they come out with these new ones, it does scare us and. And even when I uh, somebody had shared where face on Facebook or something, Jim Cummings was even kind of concerned that he wasn't called to come back to voice anybody. And 
you know, I can see that from the perspective of the job point of view of like, hey, you know, the, I, I kind of put some some work into that character and I would really like to come back. And sometimes it's rough, I guess, to see somebody else step in. Uh, and in fact, uh, on Rob Polson's podcast, he's ta- somebody once asked him uh, if he had spoken to the original voice of Donatello about him taking his place. And uh, and he said, well, it's, it's, a, it's a job. It's not me taking his place. It's a brand new series. It's a brand new day. I'm now playing that character. And of course, I, you know, I love what the original actor did, you know, but now it's, it's a brand new look at things. So the only thing I would really hope with the DuckTales series is that they keep it. I mean, uh, the animation style is probably gonna be a little different, but if they keep it in the same spirit of the original DuckTales and not, do a drastic change like, you know, Ninja Turtles. I mean, this new CG one, they, they've even differed from the comic books. And the fact that turned one character, Krang, who is among a, a race of aliens, uh, which I forget mm-hmm. the name of them. The, I, I want to almost want to call them the Ood, but that's not right. Uh, but they, they, they turned one character's name into a race of Krang and turn them into where they're real. They're kind of comical, but that is nothing resembling the comics. Mm-hmm. And with DuckTales, it based upon also a comic book, you know, they do have something to draw upon, and I think Disney is probably a bit more likely to keep it close to what we were used to because it was something that did work and maybe updated a little bit. You know, Huey, Dewey, right. and Louie are computer geniuses or something, you know. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> I would love it. The, the change I would love to see is if Huey, Dewey, and Louie had different personalities. Yeah. I can so definitely. That, and I would like to have Donald Duck a bit more involved. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was to say. Has anybody heard from Tony to see if if he's voice? I'm a, I'm assuming he'd voice Donald if it's in if he's in it. I would hope, I would hope so. so. <laughs> I mean, he is the heir of it. I mean, he was taught how to do the voice by uh, the um, the second voice of Donald Duck. I forgot the guy's name now. It wasn't Clarence Nash? He was the original guy. But there was. A- I forget the second guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah. Uh, I would also like to see if the, cause I've had this thought in my head. It would be awesome if they actually, at one point it was the idea that like Duckburg was where all these Disney characters were supposed uh, to live. So if they find a way to have, you know, cameos yeah. of Mickey and Goofy, you know, maybe pop in on an episode. I'm actually getting mm-hmm. goosebumps. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. There's so much yep. potential that, it, yeah, they can change some things. And we would actually be happier that yeah. they, it's like, wow, I wish they did done this on the original. So there's that really great possibility of this being better than the original. Mm-hmm. I know that might be yeah. sacrilege. <laughs> well, <laughs> awesome. I mean, it never will be better to our nostalgic inner selves, but I mean, it right. could be a better show. You know, it's like, it's the new turtle scenario for me. You know, it's like the new one is clearly a better show, but which one means more to me, you know, and that's, that's what I have to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to, to touch on a point that both of you guys have made uh, in regards to the art, you know, we all know that it's based off of Carl Barks's old uh, comic strips and, and those were fantastic work. Um, and, and the original series had that hand-drawn um, appeal to it. And, you know, I feel like there's several ways that they could go. They could go that way, which is unlikely. They could go the way of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse CG sort of looking, which is even more unlikely, I hope. Um, yeah. But based on the the little preview that they've shown of of the the Disney XD logo with the with the uh, Huey Dewey and Louie, it, it kind of looks CG, which is what scares me. Yeah. Um, and then they could go like the seven D route, which is just really cartoonish and weird. Or the as you've mentioned, Jeremy, the new Mickey Mouse series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I'd be okay with a couple of those, but it's just like, what will 
please everybody the most. Because I know some fans who will be really turned off if they go um, CG or, or, or whatever have you. So that's I feel like that's the biggest grenade in their egg basket right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, if they even do CG, you know, uh, if you've seen some footage of that Peanuts movie, it's it's yeah. CG, but the, it's, it's, it still has that 2D kind of quality yeah. to it. If they were mm-hmm. to do something like that, I think that would go over very well. Now, I haven't seen this preview image, so I'm looking for it right now. Oh, is this it? <laughs> no. There's a February 25th, 2015 variety thing. Yeah, most of what I find is when the announcement was made. Uh, all of the uh, artwork that they put out that was actually previously used for the the video games and the movie there. Uh, no, but I'm this, not this is something that, that my wife actually found online. I'm not sure where she found it. Probably EW because that's where she gets all of her news. But uh, it's just like it's the Disney XD logo, and you can see um, like Huey, Dewey, and Louie, but you just see their backsides, um, just like their tail feathers sticking up in the air, like they're hiding under the logo with their feet down below it. Um and granted, the the logo is in like a 3D art sort of way, so maybe that's why they look that way. But mm. I'll, I'll try to find it and send it to you, and you can post it on the Neverland podcast page if you want. <laughs> yeah, because that's I'd really like to take a look to kind of see any bit of a little tease they're giving us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but while I've been doing this, I have seen there's a, a picture here of the new Inspector Gadget, which you know, also is CG, but yet still has that 2D quality to it. Uh, so, you know, it's possible for them to do it. And even the uh, the new Mickey Mouse cartoons, uh, you, if you look at the animation, the animation, you can kind of tell it was done on a computer, but yet they still yeah. managed to get a, you know, a very cartoony, hand-drawn look. Uh, mm-hmm. And considering, you know, Disney animation is still hand-drawing a bunch of Marvel cartoons right now, That's you know, they, they could come in hand-draw and make us all really happy, right? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I hope well, they're listening to this podcast and they you know, take notes. <laughs> That's right. Disney listens to every word I say and then is going to take it as law. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, my, my, my wife brought up a really good point the other night. She, she said, you know, in this digital age, anything is possible to happen if enough people say something. So if enough people are upset that Terry's not coming back as Launchpad, then the right message boards, the right words might make it happen and that's what's kind of cool and and you know that's that's what jason at uh disney afternoon his whole campaign is based off of word of mouth on the internet so yep. i mean if people are really upset don't give up hope start start a protest a peaceful protest of course but start a protest to get it to get it made you know what i can see, what I can see happening is um like we mentioned earlier for the thundercats you know had a new cast of course but larry kenny who voiced Lionel was in the the new series as his father mm-hmm. yeah which I, was so cool <laughs> I, yeah i can see that happening with as long as terry wants to do it of course now i can see that happening with them coming on as guest appearances yeah yeah, yeah. oh but here here i know i'm really short on how time i wanted this segment to go but i have to ask since they're gonna be possibly recasting is there anyone that you have in mind and i know tim you've gotten to talk to a lot of different voice actors but who would you like to you know, if, if you had to have somebody else, who would you like to hear playing some of the characters? Mm. Wow. <laughs> wow. Good question, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me think of some people I've interviewed. Uh, man, that's a good question. Yeah. And the, I mean, even uh, I can't think of the, the guy's name, uh, Billy Connolly. 
You know, he's mm-hmm. not, I, he's yeah. done a little bit of voice work, but yeah. what if he was to play Scrooge McDuck? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of older too, but he's not as old exactly. as Alan Young. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I have to bring up a point that I read, and I wish I could cite a source, but I have no idea where it was. But I heard that they wanted to take Scrooge back to uh, to a point where he's not um, uh, Scottish. <gasps> that was Alan Young's twist on the character, as opposed to how he was actually written. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's true, no. but I hope it's not because I'd, I'd really like a Scottish Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll do that. Oh, because he's I? a McDuck. Exactly, McDuck. Yeah, that's exactly. Scottish. Yeah. And there's a lot of actually great Scottish actors. Even uh, if you're a Doctor Who fan, uh, there's been some Scottish actors in there. Uh, of course, a lot of them are a bit more serious. Uh, maybe well, Max Smith. I don't think it's Scottish, but I know. Um, oh, the previous Doctor before Matt Smith, and I forgot his name, David Tennant. But he's too serious. But I don't know. Would would you? I don't know. I don't know if he'd make a good Scrooge, but he's Scottish, and when you hear him talking his normal Scottish lilt, he might be kind of cool. But I th- I think I'd want somebody a little lighter because he can. He sounds kind of dark. Yeah. 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 He was actually here in Raleigh just last weekend, um, and I. You know, we should have had this conversation last week. I could have asked him, but I didn't see him. So. <laughs> Never mind. Pointless statement. <laughs> but, no. but that's a cool idea. I mean, I don't know. Uh, if if we, to, to jump back to um, Inspector Gadget, and I don't know if it's with this new series, but I know in uh, some of the movies, the CG movies that they've done, um, Maurice LaMarche uh, has voiced Inspector Gadget, but he's doing a Don Adams impression. Awesome. So what I would like to see is, and I don't know if Maurice LaMarche would be perfect, but he is like the impressions King. If you've ever watched the critic, but oh, yeah. <laughs> if you, if you take him or someone who can do really good voice matching and just have them try to portray Alan Young, that would, that would keep me from getting too lost. But as far as a voice actor, I can't think of any. <laughs> I can't yeah, think of who wasn't already involved with it. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. if like Jim Cummings, I could see him coming back, but maybe cast him in a different part. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And here's kind of what would also be fun. I would actually like to hear. We were speaking about Huey, Dewey, and Louie having different personalities. I would actually like them to have different voices. Okay, yeah. I, I can just see it slightly different. I don't want them. I don't want them like Quack Attack different. I want them. Was it different Quack? I don't remember. Quack. I didn't they watch Quack Attack. Yeah, it, was, it was. Okay. Yeah. I don't. No. Don't don't waste your time. But it was. Yeah. It was three different actresses. Okay, that's what I, I thought. know it was like uh, Tara Strong, I think, and E.G. Daly, and somebody else. Yeah, this is not right. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, it could have been fun because you know, really, because with in the original Ducktales, Huey, Dewey, and Louie were almost like three brains that were one brain the whole time. <laughs> they really yeah. weren't that different. They all sounded the same. You never remembered which one was which, which was kind of actually how they were in the old Donald Duck cartoons. They were kind of a foil for him, and they all had the same brain and three bodies, all had the exact same voice, which actually yeah, sounded the, kind of the same voice as Donald. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, And you never remember which Uncle one was Donald which. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember the camping episode where they come out of the tent and they're, good morning, Uncle Donald, but they all just, you know, trade yeah. off on the word. <laughs> and that was part of their appeal, and maybe you just should keep it going with DuckTales. But, if, you know, giving them some different kind of personalities, maybe one of them is the sports one, one of them is the smart one, and I don't know what you do with the third one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember, because 
it seems like one of that's kind of how it was with Quack Pack. Um, it was one nerd, one uh, jock, and one other stereotype. Which I don't really like that as much. But if you can if you can give them common features, but still make them more interested in other things, that's cool. Yeah. Plus, I hate playing off stereotypes, and <laughs> it, yeah. it just gets kind of it can get offensive if they're not careful. Right. <laughs> oh, and there, there, I can't remember. There was I heard actually a pretty good quote on stereotypes uh, actually just this week, where somebody's like, "You know why they have stereotypes? Because it is kind of true in some cases." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's where it comes from. We do kind of get used to that, but sometimes we make too many assumptions that somebody fits into that mold. So, and it, yeah. it is sometimes ever used in cartoons, though. That okay, oh, you know, like even the Powerpuff Girls, the each one had very much almost stereotypical, but they were kind of doing different, you know. Type mm-hmm. of things, you know, because you had the smart leader one, and then you had the I am the rough fighting one, and then they threw in the look, I'm the one that actually behaves like a five year old. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, you know, those voices of the Powerpuff Girls, maybe one of them would be awesome to play Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Maybe yeah. uh, the voice of uh, Buttercup. Because mm. we know she can do kind of a rough, you know, a little bit of tweaking. Yeah. She could sound like a boy. I bet she could pull it off and be really interesting. And if, if I'm not mistaken, she did do uh, Louie and Quack Pack, yep. if I remember correctly. But, I mean, she is great. Yeah, with that see, one. there you go. And just because <laughs> I like Rob Paulson, I think it would be fun to put Rob Paulson in maybe as uh, as Gizmo Duck. Mm. Because yeah, he can't can do those kind of characters that can sound heroically yeah. and then yet sound kind of nerdy at the same time. Or, or just <laughs> yeah. split where he's Fenton and uh, get, get uh, Frank Wilker as Gizmo. <laughs> that, would, <laughs> yep. that would be really fun. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but uh, well, well, I better wrap this up, or my show is going to run really long this week. So, but once again, uh, I've been speaking with Gary and Tim from Saturday Morning Rewind. What's the best way people can find your podcast or your website? You just go straight to our website. It's at SaturdayMorningRewind.com. We have every single link there, iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter. Please follow us both of those. And, uh, yeah, and I am at Saturday Rewind on Twitter. And, Gary, you are? I am at SMR Gary. What is SMR? Oh, wait a minute. Saturday Morning Rewind, Gary. Ha! Yep. Okay. <laughs> I almost asked a dumb question. <laughs> I do it frequently. It's just time to I got to stop myself sometimes. But yeah, we have some great, great episodes coming up, so you guys should check that out. And yeah, I got a lot. Of, I'm still digging through your past episodes. You got a lot of great stuff in the past, and talking to a lot of great guests. Well, thank you. Yeah, hopefully we'll continue that. We have a couple that we're going to announce. Hopefully today or tomorrow, one huge voice actor that I'm hoping I'm going to announce. So follow us on Facebook and Twitter for for that announcement. Alrighty. Once again, Saturday morning rewind. Yeah. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> to Disney and beyond. All right, Neverlanders. Next up, I had a conversation with a man named Rick Myers. He has a blog that uh, has recently changed names. Uh, if you are familiar with Disney Indiana, uh, you should be. I've had Scott and Tracy on the show before. Uh, they On their Facebook page, Rick Myers frequently shares his blog because uh, he does some Disney topics occasionally and some other topics, uh, Marvel-related and sometimes other comics and things like that. Uh, but it was known as The Recovering Uber Geek. He has recently changed the name of his blog to Fumbling Forwards. Uh, he has a Facebook page and a Twitter page now set up and he is 
working on producing a podcast. Well, I had him on the show to discuss... Well, basically, we're calling it Marvel DC 102, because recall when we did the 101 and we were kind of giving Jesse an education about the past of the comic book industry and how it came up to eventually have uh, the comics code that uh, came into play. Uh, well, unfortunately, when I was talking to Rick, um, something went crazy with my Skype recorder and I did lose about nine minutes off the front of it, where we started talking about the effects of the comics code and the censorship that was placed on comics. And of course, the root cause being things like Tales from the Crypt and a lot of horror comics and some of those kind of cult type of things that were very, very violent and dark, and it did really uh, freak a lot of people out. Of course, a lot of the root cause was also a book uh, that a psychologist wrote of how the comic books were just leading children down terrible paths and doing horrible things, which was completely untrue. Uh, and uh, I did unfortunately lose where Rick was telling me about that he actually did get a chance to read this book. Uh, at his, I believe he said it was at his college. Uh, so... All of that was pretty much lost, but I was able to at least tell you some of what we talked about. I'm going to pick it up here where we were starting to talk a little bit about some of the social issues that popped up in Marvel and also in DC. And he was talking about how in the Green Arrow and in uh, also in Green Lantern, they, they were dealing with social issues. And uh, while... Marvel liked to sometimes symbolize things a little bit and be allegorical with the X-Men dealing with a lot of uh, racial type of things you know, that they were aiming for. That was kind of the inspiration behind the X-Men, although they didn't really get into it too much. Um, but Green Arrow and Green Lantern would be a bit more direct with dealing with issues. In fact, we were talking about... Uh, Green Arrow's sidekick, Red Arrow, or Speedy, or Arsenal, however you might know him, he's on Arrow, uh, but he became a heroin junkie, and uh, that was things like they were trying to raise awareness or deal with a drug issue, uh, and of course they, they conflicted with the comics code when they did that, just like when they were trying to deal with, uh, with drugs and alcohol with Harry Osborn, they actually had some issues where they could not abide with the comics code, and they did not get their symbol on the comics. We'll just pick up the conversation from around that time, and uh, you'll learn a lot. Uh, and this is certainly not going to be the last time we have Rick on here. He's full of information, uh, and I think you're going to think this is fun and find a lot of fun in this and learn a lot of different things that maybe you didn't know about. And uh, eventually we'll start talking about some of the major story arcs that did happen, uh, but we didn't quite get into them this time. This was more general discussion, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I think you're really going to enjoy it, and definitely go check out his new blog and check out what he does with his new podcast which is not really going to be a disney podcast or anything but uh, kind of just you know talking about life a lot of things i guess he's planning to do now with his blog but go check it out he's a great guy you're gonna love this let's go for it and basically at that point you you, you were having a one-upmanship between the two companies about who was being more socially relevant and part of it was that the beginning of the marvel was the socially relevant because you had a teenage superhero who wasn't a sidekick you had a a group of superheroes who were a family you had a group of superheroes who were um a discriminated class you had you know you had the uh the misunderstood the, monster who was just yes. trying to be left alone <laughs> yeah you had the misunderstood monster slash dr jekyll and mr hyde you yeah. have you you have your man lost in time with captain america um, <laughs> yeah. Basically, they they started. De Stan wanted it hero before super. He made it about the character before about the superpowers, where 
DC had become all about the 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 Flash, the bling, you know, the superhero bling. You know, who's got the cooler outfits and whose powers are weird and bizarre. Yeah, and, and the DC universe, of- they look on their heroes as almost like gods. They're like icons. And I, I remember uh, I, I, anytime I've read any sort of crossover of between like the JLA and uh, the Avengers, it's the DC heroes will get into the Marvel universe and look around and they'll be like, they, why do some of these people actually fear you around here and they revile you and your places are a little dirty and they should be spotless and clean and wonderful and everything. And Except for, you know, of course, Gotham is like the exception of the rule, it seems, in the DC world. He's allowed to have a dirty city. <laughs> you know, but, well, but like, Gotham and Hub or, <laughs> um, or Quad Cities, basically where the big vigilantes other than Green Arrow live. Because <laughs> Green Arrow being the the token liberal superhero at DC, he's allowed to have a clean place to live. <laughs> so, it, but yeah, the the uh, but that's what was the big thing about Marvel, and that was the the basis. And and Stan even try, you know, you have to credit Stan because he was the creator of one of the first openly um, African-American characters, openly Asian heroes. And when I mean characters, I mean heroes. You know, previously, people of color were always villains. Yeah. You know, um, he he would ha- he later, when John Romita was doing Spider-Man, he introduced Latino characters and heroes. I mean, it was, he tried to reflect the world that that w- that he was seeing out his door, and New York's very was even diverse back then. So, yeah, and so things are always changing in the Marvel world like that. Uh, but uh, let's talk a few of the stories that really kind of uh, were big things. Uh, I, I remember uh, checked us also out of the library. You got everybody. You got to go to your local library and see if they've got a good juvenile fiction section or something where they keep all the graphic novels. Cause you know, it's a lot of good reading, but, uh, they started to, I think DC was really the first that started wanting to really do these massive events. And they started doing the crisis type of things like an identity crisis or an infinity crisis and stuff. And I, well, I got to see some of the early ones of those. Well, that, that all started in the eighties. Yeah. Well, Actually, <laughs> to be honest, DC started events, but they weren't—they weren't house wide. They were a handful of books. Right. It started with the Flash of Two Worlds when they introduced the idea of multiple universes. Um, so they were able to do both the Golden Age and Silver Age Flash together, <laughs> and then, and then they would do the Justice Society, which is the Golden Age superhero team with the justice league. And then they created the crime syndicate, which of America, which was the evil reverse world or mirror, mirror. If you're a Star Trek fan <laughs> <laughs> world, you know, um, version of the, of the superheroes. And that was when you started seeing these crossovers and then they would do crossovers with, Captain Marvel, aka Shazam, and Superman, and, and that led to the DC, the first couple of DC and Marvel crossovers: um, Superman and Spider-Man, Batman and the Hulk. You get the idea. 
Yeah, those those are always fun, and I, I wish I had a copy of some of them. But I did get to read the uh, the old Spider Man and Superman crossover thing that the Marvel DC collaborated on, and it just kind of cracked me up. Um, somehow or another, though, it got to where um, Spider Man had thought Superman had gone crazy and become a villain or something. Something I can't remember what had happened. And so Spider-Man first meets up with Superman. Superman's like, oh, the, here's that Spider-Man guy that's supposed to be in New York. Maybe he can help me uh, track down this villain I'm chasing or whatever. And Spider-Man's thinking, okay, I, I know this is Superman. And it's going to be impossible. But if he's the one killing these people, then I've got to stop him. And uh, so Superman is not really, you know, toughed himself up. He's just kind of laid back, you know. And so Spider-Man gets in there and starts slugging on him. And Superman's just kind of taking the punches, you know. And, uh, and Spider-Man starts, you know, he's got this stop balloon like oh i'm actually i I, maybe i can win this he actually is feeling my punch and then superman finally gets tired of it (laughs) stiffens up and locks himself in and spider-man you see him punch he's like ah he's holding his hand and then superman also then also decides okay you asked for it one punch and this sends spider-man just flying through a few buildings and i just remember laughing he's just like because i've always been a spider-man fan ever since like amazing spider-man and his amazing friends when i was a little kid and so i've kind of been leaning more over the marvel as i went along uh although i did watch the uh the batman 60s series on syndication which was campion so yeah we'll talk about the frank miller in the 1989 wow that was a big shock to my system because i wasn't used to seeing batman as a dark character but i loved spider-man and uh, since i was a kid and it was just kind of funny because I loved Superman, too, because, of course, those Superman movies when I was a little kid was huge. But to see those two together was always great. But I always kind of felt bad for poor Spider-Man. But yet it was so funny just watching, you know, just you know, seeing Superman like, OK, I don't know why you're attacking me. I came here to actually talk to you because I want to work together with you. But you asked for it, you know. <laughs> well, my Superman goes a little older because I um I, w- I grew up in the early 70s, so I'm, I'm dealing with the reruns of the George Reeves series. Ooh, wow. And I'm seeing those on television as a little kid and eating those up. You know, that was my Superman until Mr. Mr. Christopher Reeves shows up. Yeah. <laughs> and, but the thing is, is the uh, that series really wasn't as reflective of the comic books because they were based on budget they weren't doing any of the super villains they weren't doing anything like that right you didn't get that until the filmation um animated series is in the six in the in the early 60s um those definitely had the more of a comic feel to them including the uh the aquaman animated series that a lot of people like to poke fun at (laughs) <laughs> wow, see, I, I haven't gotten to see the Filmation series, but I've heard of them. But I think a lot of also the Aquaman that they really like to poke fun of is also, you know, with Super Friends. And the only thing they could think to have Aquaman do is the boop, 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 you know, and he's talking to the animals, you know. Well, <laughs> and least... so everybody came, kind of gets that idea of Aquaman. So I'm kind of glad that he's going to be in a new movie so people can see that he's actually this warrior, uh, you know, king of Atlantis and uh, you wouldn't want to laugh at him and say that he sucks to his face because he would kill you. <laughs> well, they also they also in the movie it's 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 Jason Momoa, aka uh, Conan from the last Conan film. <laughs> so, yeah, really big dude. <laughs> well, big Polynesian looking dude. They're giving him tattoos and everything. They go yeah. with the, the Polynesian bent on this version of Aquaman and. 
that created a bit of a kerfuffle on, on the uh, internets. Yeah, he doesn't look. <laughs> I, I was expecting maybe okay. When I heard they cast him, it's like well maybe they can blonde his hair up, lighten his hair color, just so he kind of looks like the character. Because that's that's kind of my, my main thing is get somebody who can play the character. But since we already have a visual representation that we're used to, try to get somebody who can kind of look like the character. Uh, so we can follow along, but yeah, they they completely redesigned him from head to toe, and so I look at that and I don't think Aquaman. I'm just okay because they're telling me it's Aquaman. I'll go with it, but I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Well, sometimes those things work, and sometimes they don't. Yeah. But Momoa is a decent actor. I, I think he's going to bring a level of gravitas to the character that you'll believe he's the king of the seas. <laughs> and he'll show all the the cast members of the Big Bang Theory and the writers on the Big Bang Theory that Aquaman does not suck. <laughs> well, in the filmation series, he, he did more than just talk to the sea creatures. He also used to create balls of of water. And when I mean balls, I mean uh, hardened water to hit the foe is underwater with sort of like mermaid man and barnacle boy. If you ever watch SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in, and in, in the, uh, what was it? Late nineties, they cut his hand off and then yeah. gave him a hook. And then they replaced that with a hand made of water and gave him water control. So it's, it depends on who does them. Uh, he's going through a Renaissance right now in the comics. Uh, Jeff Johns is writing it, and they they've made jokes. Uh, it, scene opens with him at a at a seafood restaurant ordering seafood, and, and you're eating your friend. Um, I don't talk with fish; I control fish, and I'm uh, aquatic. I eat fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually one of the things that. Uh, <laughs> okay, getting back onto a slightly Disney bent on this. Uh, like the Little Mermaid, I know I'm going off topic, but th- but it's a similar type of thought. When you have King Triton, who's so against humans because they fish and they they eat fish from the sea and everything, I had to stop every time. Well, what do you eat? Yeah, there's very few vegetarian life forms in the seas. <laughs> yeah, I was like you know what, you're probably eating krill or something, aren't you? I mean, I don't, I don't think mermaids are living on a seafood di- or a seaweed diet, you know. Maybe they are, but you know they could be eating some like coral or something. I don't know. There's well, there's a lot of things like, alive that look like plants, you know, in the sea. Coral is one of those things, but yeah, the closest thing would be kelp or algae or seaweed. <laughs> yeah, so they never get into what they eat, other than you see Ursula eating like shrimp or something there. You know, well, she she's stuffs- a bad guy. She's allowed to be a carnivore. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Well, that always bugged me, but yeah. So, like with Aquaman, well, of course, you know he's a you know lives under the sea. They're going to use their resources of what they have for food. Yeah, so, I would yeah. still like to see a good crossover between him and Namor, the Submariner, because the one thing I find interesting about both those characters is while they can be looked on as heroes, they can also kind of be a little villainous when they need to. If they get ticked off at, at the land and stuff, they will cause a tidal wave or something and do some damage. Well, that was. Um, the subject matter of the uh, the first story arc of the new Aquaman. It was also what they used in uh, the recent uh, De- uh, Warner Brothers DC Universe animated straight to video film uh, Justice League: Throne of Atlantis. 
And see, I haven't seen that one, but I did uh, read in some of the comics where he was doing that, and I think it was around about the time where uh, Lex was running for president. Lex Luthor, I'm, I'm meaning for anyone who doesn't know what I just was talking about. But yeah, when Lex Luthor was running for president, I've read some old issues where Aquaman was upset about something, and he caused a tidal wave come in towards, I think, towards Coast City even. Uh, which is where Green Lantern is, but he had some of his sea monsters coming along with him, and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize he could do this much damage. Well, he's still a bit of a more of a hero than Namor. Namor has been a villain so many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's he's flip-flopped more times. It's, it's On one hand, we can count how many times Aquaman's got fed up. Namor, it's how many times was he heroic? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, you know, it, it's, but the, there was a comic when they did do the DC versus Marvel in the early nineties. Um, yeah. Aquaman solved that problem by dropping a, a humpback whale on Namor. So, <laughs> so because everybody saw who could be, who, well, Namor could fly, but basically they have the same powers except for one. And uh, the the uh, aquatic animal control being the key, the key ability that uh, Arthur Curry slash Aquaman has over Namor. <laughs> so, yeah, but no. Um, so they did a lot of those in, in DC. They did all those alternate uh, those uh, alternate reality team ups, and then. You end up in the uh, 80s, you have the first two um, publisher-wide events. One was created for a toy line, and the other was to streamline the continuity that had gotten a little bit too wacky. Um, The Marvel event was Secret Wars. Yeah, and they're about to have another Secret Wars and uh, reset the book on everything, apparently. Well, but the original Secret Wars was created for a toy line. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember those toys. Specifically the toy line for, I believe it was Mattel. I could be wrong. Um, but they, they did a toy line with in, in the 80s, and that was the uh, the big deal with that, and that's the reason why a lot of people who uh, study the the whole comic book thing, uh, the whole comic book job, um, industry, speak to that as probably the weaker of the cross, the uh, initial two crossovers, because it wasn't really, it was editorially and merchandise based as opposed to based on continuity and storyline. Yeah, and it was kind of just that thought of, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we got all of our characters all together and had them all fight on this secret planet of you know where these two other characters are just watching to see what happens and who would win over good versus evil on a planet where nobody had ever been heroes or villains like this before and all this stuff. And then Spider-Man walks away with a with a black costume that he finds out later is alive. <laughs> yeah, well, that was also they were shocked because Magneto was grouped by the this um, omnipotent being with the superheroes. <laughs> and a lot of people, that is the beginning of the whole idea that even though his methods aren't heroic, his, his um, 
meaning his uh, intentions are heroic. <laughs> Which is actually a very big change from uh, like the original versions of Magneto. I actually uh, – I've, I've checked out the library, uh, an X-Men masterpieces thing, which is still has just the original five before, you know, Wolverine and Nightcrawler, Storm and Colossus were made part of the team. And it is a very much an evil Magneto. And they're even still refer to themselves as the brotherhood of evil mutants. Uh, and their, their goal is nothing less than the destruction of humanity and, and nothing but mutants to survive. And so, yeah, his goals were not so noble, but yeah, the, I, I like the way that they have evolved the character to where he has become not so much always peaceful about his dealings with the humans, but very much still mutant focus. So I think probably Secret Wars was the beginning of that transition where they started trying to look at Magneto a little differently, that he's just maybe an opposite side of the coin of Professor Xavier. Well, it started in the 70s when Chris Claremont started with Mm, the yeah. X-Men right after the, you know, the giant sized X-Men number one, which is the introduction of the, the bronze age team that everybody knows, which right. is Wolverine and Colossus and Nightcrawler and Storm and, and all of those people who later proceeded. Right. There were some other members that were part of that initial team that, but they, they haven't had the longevity of the ones I mentioned. <laughs> yeah, which is what I wonder with the, I need time. I try to look at what the X Men are doing now. There's so many new characters that I'm like, you guys are just inventing characters just to fill the school because uh, for the longest time, the the and if you even watch the old '90s X Men series, the school for gifted youngsters only housed just the the members of the team. But uh, with the movie, they introduced the idea of, like, wouldn't this be cool if it was actually, like, a complete school for mutants? And you have all kinds of students there, and the X-Men are, like, instructors there. And so the comics started to reflect that. So now suddenly they're just any crazy idea for a mutant they get, they're going for in those books. But it's just all those all these extra characters. I really have wondered about the longevity that they're going to have. Well, the some bizarre things, too. Well, that that all started in in the early '80s with the introduction of the new mutants. Oh well, yeah, you had a new team, but they still they were in a separate. They weren't even in the same building, I don't believe. No, they were in the same building, but they were the younger ones. They were the actual team members because uh, by the time that the giant size X Men, the only team teenager who was still on X-Men, was Kitty Pryde. Right. So <laughs> this was over 20. <laughs> yeah, so I have a gap of, I've read some of the Chris Claremont, and then the New Mutants, I remember they were around, but I, I started really picking up on X-Men in like the uh, the 90s, and you just had, you know, they'd all become adults now, and they, you had, you know, the split teams between like the, they had the blue team and the gold team, I believe it was, and then you had all these different little, you know, you had X-Force with Cable leading them, you had X-Factor, which was a government-sponsored group, it was like the Mutant Avengers, pretty much <laughs> and then you had the new mutants i think the new mutants had evolved into x-force though hadn't they yes uh cable ended up becoming their their new their new mentor and he turned them from a bunch of kids learning how to control their powers into an extra military group even more so than they were the x-men ever were yeah. <laughs> uh, it was also during the beginning of the the uh, dreaded pouch era of comics, <laughs> where every super, era. every superhero had had a a bandolier or belt full of pouches oh. <laughs> and pouches on there, like 
you know, the car, the cargo pants era. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That way they weren't necessarily wearing tights. It's like, no, look, we have pockets and everything. Yeah. Well, it, it all started with a character called Longshot. Yeah. Because the, 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 the artist said, well, if he's got all of this gear, where is he going to put it? Exactly. And it were you know, pouches and, and pockets work with Batman, but it doesn't work with every superhero. Yeah. And, in the in the in the mid nineties, thanks to Rob Layfield, you saw it on just about every superhero. Yeah. I always liked how Spider Man would sometimes you'd see him pull up the shirt half of his tights, which you didn't realize he could do, and he would have a like a Spidey belt underneath, and he had a like a signal light there as a buckle, but he could keep his web cartridges all in these pouches on this belt. Excuse me. I always liked when they kind of introduced that because it's like, oh, look, how come you can't see because he's wearing tights? How come you can't see the imprint of his belt when it's got his shirt down? <laughs> but suddenly, no, no, there's look a belt and see, and there's pockets and pouches where he keeps the web cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the cool thing about the official handbook of the Marvel Universe is there was an issue that was all of the the equipment and the gadgets, <laughs> and they actually showed the yeah, as you said the. The under the under the costume area that that uh, the Spider Man has <laughs> for, for his equipment, and it's like uh, okay, um, is he wearing extra padding for when he hits buildings? That's the reason why you don't see the belt. You know? <laughs> yeah. and plus, he'd always have a camera hidden in there too because he used to you know stick, he'd have a camera and he'd stick it up somewhere so he could get photos so he could make a living too. It's like how did he you know how's there not a bump somewhere where it shows where the camera is attached to his belt? Yeah, it's it, but the thing is 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 that that the wonderful thing about Marvel is. They've is always Marvel's tried to. Ex- thing? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> is that they've always tried to explain these things? Yeah. Whereas DC would just go, it just is, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And but back to the uh, the the events, the event that made DC, and the event that kind of led to all the other events that you see. <laughs> Is uh, the Crisis of Infinite Earths. Yeah, Crisis of Infinite Earths, when they started crossing over a lot of stuff. And I've actually read that one. That was fun. Well, it wasn't crossover. It was merging. Well, yeah. (laughs) Merging the DC Universe together. (laughs) And and they had gotten all too silly. Funny thing is, is in the last 10 years, DC's done the opposite. They realized (laughs) they hampered themselves by not allowing the alternate universes. And they... First, they introduced a line called Elseworlds, which allowed them to do stories that were very different. Marvel had their idea. It was called What If. But What If was always, what if this decision was made instead of that decision? The changes weren't as radical, whereas DC was, well, let's put Batman in the Victorian era. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. What if Superman had landed over in Russia? Yes, and mm-hmm. or what if Superman had landed in medieval England? Yeah. Um, so you you've got the the whole idea of let's just take it and run with it over at DC, and those stories became hugely popular. Yeah. And then they realized that they needed to bring back the multiple universe, and and that led to a series that's being done at DC called multiversity by 
Grant Morrison, and he's brought back a lot of the ideas that were thrown thrown out during the crisis of infinite earths. <laughs> and which we can talk more about next time. We're going to have to have you back on because I'm, I'm about run out of time here. <laughs> but, <laughs> We barely That's scratched correct. the surface. There's so much things we can get into because we haven't even gotten into like the Phoenix Saga over in the X Men, uh, and uh, of course the Alien Suit Saga, which became around Venom. All the things that happened like during oh, the eighties. Yes, definitely have me back. Um, it, it, it was. It's been fun. It, it's just I don't usually get to to talk about this, but there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and we have. And we're just centering on the DC and Marvel universe. <laughs> well, this is where I'm going to mainly focus. I mean, there's lots of other companies out there, uh, other companies that have even had the license to do print Star Wars comics after Marvel had given it up or lost it, whatever, from before. There's some other companies that were doing Star Wars comics before Marvel got it back, you know. So there's all kinds of things and all these other companies going out there doing all these different things. And so when you really start getting expanded, you could end up blowing your entire life savings on comic books. Well, and then you've got the group, the the one that I talked about uh, on my uh, on my blog, CrossGen, which is now also owned by Disney. Right. <laughs> uh, they did a mediocre uh, reboot, or or they did a uh, a poor attempt. I was going to use another word in front of that, but I <laughs> I, I was editing myself. But you know what I mean. They didn't yeah. really put the put their their full effort in this. And I think it was because Disney asked them to do this and they were all oh, fine. Disney, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not our universe. So they, they didn't even do a lot of the reboots like the original, but the cross gen, um, it, it is very unique. And, and like I said, in, in, uh, the, the article that all started this for you, which was the marvelously Disney fight article. Um, I even mentioned two of those properties to become Disney animated films, which would be pretty cool. Well, guess what I found out after you and I talked, I found other people who, who after the big hero six thing mentioned, they, the first choice to be become an animated Marvel film, everybody kept saying power pack, power pack, power pack. It wasn't just me. <laughs> <laughs> so it could well, happen. Who knows? If, you know, enough word gets around and enough, because uh, sometimes Disney does listen to what's out there. It's like, hey, can we make a movie off of this? And everybody seems to want one. Let's do it. It's money. Well, Disney listens as yeah. opposed to Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Marvel well, has had a history of not listening. <laughs> Marvel, I'm hearing, uh, I've been hearing some words uh, that Marvel has been listening and paying attention, and Dan Slott has been paying attention to some stuff around, like with Spider Man, that the, that we haven't been happy with the uh, the brand new day and some of the changes made to Spider Man. That part of the Secret Wars that's going to happen might be resetting some things with Spider Man and putting things right. But I'm well, not sure that that's true. That's just rumors I'm hearing. We'll, well just I see what happens. I have a, a, a friendly acquaintance um, of mine, David F. Walker, who just got assigned on both DC and Marvel. He's the new writer for the Cyborg series, and he's wow. also going to be doing a couple of episodes, um, issues of The Secret Wars. He chose to do Blade versus Howard the Duck. <laughs> That's going to be fun. 
Yeah, yeah, he's an African-American gentleman who also is doing a not-so-family-friendly comic book. He's doing a variation of the black exploitation film the sh- based on the novels, Shaft. Oh, my goodness. So, so I can't even say the name of his blog because... It's not uh, family-friendly. <laughs> well, the way he spells it is... Um, he, he uses the A word with two Zs, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but no, he he is definitely trying to. Ha- he's the one that these two companies are pointing up. We're even getting diverse creators, and here's Dave. Yep. <laughs> okay. So. Well, but thank you for coming on with this, and uh, we'll have to have you back on real soon because this is fun just talking comics and just we being stupid geeks, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is, and the thing is, is you know we get to we're get. With the with the whole D, with the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're given so much more uh, chance to do this, and it's like a lot of people earlier lap, a year ago around February, Forbes did a thing about three big tentpole films that they thought were going to fail at the box office. They were only right once. And the three films they thought were going to fail was RoboCop, which did. <laughs> I like that movie, though. <laughs> but it didn't do well at the box office. Yeah. Godzilla, which did well. That was and, a cool movie. And then Guardians of the Galaxy. And they were going, yes, it's a C-list group and no one knows of it. But people keep forgetting, what was the first Marvel movie that blew everybody's minds? Blade. Blade. And Blade is... But Blade is not a B list. He's not a C list. He's a D list. <laughs> yeah. Supporting, supporting character to a 70s Marvel horror comic. <laughs> yep. And if you had seen his comic book, from his, I mean, costume from the 70s, you'd roll your eyes. Yeah. Because it's a tan, a tan leather, um, like, uh, coveralls with a with a belt and a green set of goggles <laughs> it's pretty bad and that was when i heard that they were doing that film i was like they're doing blade this <laughs> look and you know we get wesley snipes doing doing his job and that folks that is definitely not a family-friendly series of films Right. <laughs> I only ever saw the first one, though. It's, uh, I, I, I should probably watch the other two at some point. But <laughs> the other, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard the third one was just awful. So, well, you got to watch the Guillermo del Toro one at least. Oh, did he do the second one? He did the second one, and then you know you have Ron Perlman. Yeah, which makes anything almost play. worth watching. So, so yeah. Yeah, too bad that Mr. Perlman rarely does family-friendly films. <laughs> or television that by that point. But, right. <laughs> but, yeah. All righty. But, uh, all right, so once again, where can people find your, your blog and upcoming podcast? So you're just calling, what, Falling Forward? Fumbling Forwards. Fumbling Forward with Rich, uh, Rick, I, I don't know if you want to go by Rick or Richard because you're on Skype and it says Richard, but I've always seen you as Rick Myers. <laughs> it's, it's Rick Myers. Skype wanted wanted my legal name. So, <laughs> um, my well, better than your illegal name, I suppose. Well, my, my birth certificate says Richard. <laughs> uh, and Rick is a, 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 a form of that name. But 
the uh, Facebook page is Fumbling the Number Four Words, and then the uh, the blog is at blog spot is at uh, R D is in David Myers M Y E R S nine seven one one five dot blogspot dot com. Awesome. Neverland feedback. All right, we have a couple of shout outs for you this week. That would be two new Twitter followers, Justin DeJardins. Uh, it's D E S J A R D I N S. I hope I pronounced your name right, but I probably butchered it. Also, a very interesting new Twitter follower, a follower Ben Landis. He is at Ben Landis, all one word. Uh, he makes chiptunes and has a soundcloud page that i went and checked out and everything and listened to some of it uh a chiptunes uh from my understanding it sounds like 8-bit nintendo and he's composing his own bits of music and uh i listened to some of it it's really fun uh, especially if you're about my age and used to play the old nintendo and you love that kind of music really really great great stuff i really enjoyed listening to it and uh i've sent him a message i was wondering if maybe we could get him to compose up some special music here for the neverland podcast and uh, uh potentially a new podcast that i'm working on with tim nidell we haven't quite finished all the details or started recording it yet but keep your ears open and we will let you know all about it when it's about to release scientists newsmakers policy changers advocates and more Join me, international award-winning journalist Michael Howie, as I interview those in the know on wildlife issues and advocacy around the world on Defender Radio. Posted every Monday on the iTunes Store and at FurBearDefenders.com. Listen to Defender Radio, and you too can stay informed and stay strong. Presented by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. Once again, I want to thank you for downloading the Neverland podcast and listening this week. And thank you also for sharing it with your friends. Heck, share it with your enemies. Go right ahead. Uh, come back next week. We're going to have a lots of fun next week. In fact, uh, I'm planning on an early show because I want to get in on some fun for Wednesday. So I plan on recording something real soon and getting it out on Wednesday. And we're going to have some fun. Uh, but until then, remember to keep your pixie in your pocket. And what I mean by that is that young at heart, good attitude that you can keep with you to remain young at heart and then share that with other people. Sometimes it just takes a smile, a hug, or a handshake, you know? Sometimes you just got to be nice to people. So go out and love on somebody, and I will see you very, very soon right here on the Neverland Podcast. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on Twitter.com slash NeverlandPcast and Facebook.com slash NeverlandPodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright glue band productions and all original content belongs to the same. 
other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license.